Chapter 13 of Thomas Wingfold, Curate by George MacDonald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 13 A Report of Progress. In the meantime, George Bascombe came and went. Every visit he showed clearer notions as to what he was for and what he was against. Every visit he found Helen more worthy and desirable than before, and flattered himself he made progress in the conveyance of his opinions and judgments over into her mind. His various accomplishments went far in aid of his design. There was hardly anything Helen could do that George could not do as well, and some he could do better, while there were many things George was at home in which were sealed to her the satisfaction of teaching such a pupil he found great when at length he began to make love to her helen found it rather agreeable than otherwise and if there was a little more making in it than some women would have liked helen was not sufficiently in love with him to detect its presence still the pleasure of his preference was such that it opened her mind with a favourable prejudice towards whatever in the shape of theory or doctrine he would have her receive and much that a more experienced mind would have rejected because of its evident results in practice was by her accepted in the ignorance which confined her regard of his propositions to their intellectual relations and prevented her from following them into their influences upon life which would have reflected light upon their character for life in its real sense was to her as yet little more definite and present than a dream that waits for the coming night hence when her cousin at length ventured to attack even those doctrines which all women who have received a christian education would naturally be expected to revere the most she was able to listen to him unshocked but she little thought or he either that it was only in virtue of what christian teaching she had had that she was capable of appreciating what was grand in his doctrine of living for posterity without hope of a good result to the self beyond the consciousness that future generations of perishing men and women would be a little more comfortable and perhaps a little less faulty therefrom she did not reflect either that no one's theory concerning death is of much weight in his youth while life feels interminable or that the gift of comfort during a life of so little value that the giver can part with it without regret is scarcely one to be looked upon as a mighty benefaction but truth is truth george would have replied what you profess to teach them might be a fact, but could never be a truth, I answer. And the very value which you falsely put upon facts you have learned to attribute to them from the supposed existence of something at the root of all facts, namely, truths, or eternal laws of being. Still, if you believe that men will be happier from learning your discovery that there is no God, preach it, and prosper in proportion to its truth. 
No, that from my pen would be a curse. No, where I grant indeed, but you cannot know, that you will not find him. And all regions of thought and feeling, all the unknown mental universe of possible discovery, preach it not until you have searched that also. I say, lest what you count a truth should prove to be no fact, and there should after all be somewhere, somehow, a very living God, a truth indeed, in whom is the universe. If you say, but I am convinced there is none, I answer, you may be convinced that there is no God such as this or that in whom men imagine they believe, but you cannot be convinced there is no God. Meantime, George did not forget the present of this life in its future, continued particular about his cigars and his wine, ate his dinners with what some would call a good conscience, and I would call a dull one, were I sure it were not a good digestion they really meant, and kept reading hard and to purpose. Matters as between the two made no rapid advance. George went on loving Helen more than any other woman, and Helen went on liking George next best to her brother Leopold. Whether it came of prudence, of which George possessed not a little, of coldness of temperament, or a pride that would first be sure of acceptance, I do not know, but he made no formal offer yet of handing himself over to Helen, and certainly Helen was in no haste to hear more than he to utter the irrevocable. End of chapter 13 Read by John Sherman, Winfield, Illinois